Hello, Valparaiso. This is Allison Schutte. And Willow Walsh, and you're listening to... Welcome Project Radio. The Welcome Project collects first-person stories and pairs them with facilitated conversation to help participants forge stronger ties within and across communities. We vision a world in which people are curious about and actively seek to engage those who are different from themselves. We are proudly underwritten by Asana Yoga Center and Roots Market Cafe, two excellent ways to feel good during a pandemic. They're located online at asanacenter.com and Roots Market Cafe. Theme music is provided by WVLP's very own Paul Schreiner. Thanks, Paul. So today we're bringing you two stories from the Welcome Project's archive, so listen up. Today's stories are Fences and Not Something That You Force. So today on the show we're going to play the stories and pause in between each to have a conversation about what the storytellers are experiencing. And particularly we're interested in these stories today because they talk again about neighbors. And we had talked a little bit about neighbors in the beginning, but it was recently on my mind again as I'm thinking like, well, I'm vaccinated, you're vaccinated. We don't have masks on Yeah, (laughs) we don't have masks on. So, you know, it's like, how do we, you know, come together post-pandemic? Like I just saw a Google commercial talking about like, you know, it's like typing in like postpone wedding and then it deletes the postpone part and then like pandemic family activities and it deletes the pandemic mm-hmm. part. So it's like we're learning yes. how to like go back into this yes. again. So I thought like what better way than to talk about neighbors again as we're like not going to be, you know, farther than six feet away right, anymore and right. coming back together. So our first storyteller today talks a little bit about um, fences and the relationship between fences and good neighbors. And this one's titled Fences. Okay, what I think makes a good neighbor is fences. <laughs> that's what I think makes a good neighbor. And, and that sounds mean to say that, but when I was living in Portage, uh, one of my neighbors wanted to put up a fence and uh, next door, and, and I go, oh, that's a good idea. Why don't you do that? And he put the fence up, and I go, that's a great idea. Oh, my God, there's a fence. I love this fence. What's this concept called fence? So I go on the other side. I go, I'm putting a fence up the next week. So the same guy who put up a fence over here put a fence there up. I go, I love this idea of fences. I love fences. So, yeah, neighbors are great, and I've never had, like, bad neighbors. I always hear stories from my readers. Yeah, old man Kirkowitz over here, you know, he's making problems, and he's got three dogs and ten cats. And I never had a bad neighbor, to be honest with you. But I think we kind of create our own realities in life, and I think we kind of create our own neighbors in a way, too. I was never invasive. I never got in people's ways. Just people leave me alone. That's my general credo in life. Just leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. We'll be good, and we'll die, and it's all good. That's my credo. I value my space as much as I value my time. That's why I have few friends, because <laughs> time and space are so important to me. Um, so to keep people away from my space, and then you don't have to, they don't infringe not only on your space, but then on those issues that revolve around your space that you have to maybe talk about. Like, can you keep your dog out of my lawn, please? For instance, and then it keeps that dialogue gone. You don't have to have that kind of a dialogue. And I like privacy. I'm huge on privacy. It flies in the face of my job, but I'm a very private person. So I think fences are huge. And that's, but then and that's the oxymoron part. Because it, it's a juxtaposition. It gets in the way, doesn't it? I wrote a column once on the bane of our society, I thought, was attached garages as opposed to detached garages. Because you get home from work, you open your door with an automatic garage door, you go inside, nobody sees you again. It's like the bat cave. You know what I mean? As opposed to in the old days, the old days, like in the 50s or 60s, you have this attached garage, you get home from work, you drive in the garage, you have to walk into your house. Hey, Fred, how you doing? How was work today? There's no fence there. Jerry didn't have a fence yet. I like bushes, too. Bushes are like fancy fences to me, you know? My point was, I thought these garages, you, you ruin that. You lose that effect of, of community. So the idealized version of my world would think, it's, it's great to have that. But the realistic version of my world is like, nah, fences are good. Attached garages, I'm all for it. 
Hello and welcome back to Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio. I'm Allison Schutte and Willow Walsh, and today we're playing some stories from the Welcome Project archives. You just heard a story about fences and whether fences and attached garages make good neighbors or ruin neighborliness. So, Willow, <laughs> how does this person, how does this storyteller feel about fences? I feel like... I mean, it's funny that he kind of calls out juxtaposition because I'm feeling like he's feeling a little bit of both ways. But like for the most part, overwhelmingly, I get the sense it's like he goes along the lines of good fences make good neighbors. You know, it, it kind of eliminates some of the negative dialogue and kind of like keeps private space between neighbors. And that's how you have a good relationship with your neighbors. So I, I think he's for him. I really do. <laughs> Yeah, he seems to because he says he values his space. Mm -hmm. So fences demarcate space and they tell you what is your space and they tell you what is your neighbor's space. Clarity, it's it's all visible. Um, and so it seems like that 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 privacy that's created and that ownership that's created gives some sort of comfort I, I don't I don't know yeah mm -hmm. I just I, I don't quite I don't quite understand like how he writes this piece about like you know why detached garages are kind of a good thing in creating community but then he kind of like evolves you know in his place in Portage deciding that like yes. fences are such a good idea yes. like I don't I I don't know it's like do, do you agree with him it's like I I know you have wait you have a neighbor you have one neighbor on your left side that has the a fence side yeah yeah and then your back neighbor doesn't have a fence right. with you right and the kids the kids from that house will run through our yard to get to their house I love it <laughs> <laughs> I mean I suppose it's possible I could have bad neighbors that that would present a kind of problem mm -hmm. but I also do feel like um I don't have a, a particular sense of territory around. I like I don't take care of my yard very well. Like I try to mow it, but I don't fertilize it, and I'm not really good with green things. Um, my partner Liz is, but she spends most of her sort of dedication to dirt work, like at the garden where she gardens with her friend, and so. Um, the neighbor that doesn't have a fence, uh, she loves like native plants and has done a lot of work in their yard, like replacing some of the shrubbery and stuff with native plants. And she's always like kind of asking, like, do you mind if I'm like, yes, please <laughs> just, just do it. I don't I don't see a line here between us that needs to be maintained. Um, so part of that is just like, you know, if I was a person that had a particular like, I want my yard to look X mm, or Y. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, maybe I maybe I would have a different attitude towards fences. Um, the neighbor who does have a fence, she has two big German shepherds, so I'm grateful for <laughs> the fence in that sense because my dog doesn't get along with other dogs, and she's smaller than German shepherds. Uh, what about where you grew up? What, what was it like in your neighborhood growing up? Yeah. Honestly, I, I feel like my house was similar to, like, how yours was situated in that, like, we had two different, like, backyards right up against ours, and one neighbor had this really huge fence to our left side, 
but I was actually really good friends with their daughter. And then we had another neighbor with like a smaller fence to our back. And I don't know, all of our yards are really small, but it was kind of nice because I recall hopping fences a yes, lot, actually. Yes. Like, like I would like hop over to the neighbor's fence because she had like a strawberry garden back there and she was like, oh, it's fine. And yeah, so we hopped fences a lot. So yeah, I don't know. It's like, I, I'm i not really sure like what, what the fences really did other than like distinguish, okay, you should probably mow this part and you should yeah. probably mow this part, yeah. but that's about it. <laughs> well, and there's different fences too, right? Like, mm-hmm. so I grew up in a yard uh, that had a chain link fence that was, you know, I mean, I guess if you're a kid, it kind of, you, it's, it's hard to crawl over the fence if you're a toddler. So there's maybe it keeps you in your yard, but you know, by the time you're a middle age, uh, a middle schooler, you know, you're just climbing right over to go play with your friends. And Mm so, but like other ones are the big privacy fences, the wood fences, and you can't really, Mm -hmm. I mean, somebody might have the chops to be able to like hoist themselves (laughs) over with some fancy move, but most of us are not that agile or strong so there are it feels like there's different maybe people have different reasons for fences too like mm-hmm. keeping the kids like in the in the backyard or having this place for the dog to run around mm-hmm. without needing a leash so those things are less about neighbors and more about just like not having to always observe like your kid or your dog or something like that I was really interested in his phrase um that we we make our own neighbors what was the line it's actually we kind of create our own neighbors in a way and what did you think he meant there I think like I don't think it like in my mind it doesn't go so far as to like you know you can really create your own neighbors but maybe it's like you can open yourself up a little bit to be I don't know, to make the relationship work. So he said he's never had bad neighbors. He's like, he, he mentions one person like old man Kirkowitz over here. He's making problems. But, and he says he's never had a bad neighbor. But honestly, if, if, if he had someone like that next door, I mean, it's not like you can create that or change that. But I think it's more of like the approach mm-hmm. to that sort of thing. Like he mentions another part where he's like, you know, have the dog running over between lawns and that sort of thing. And I think it's like, you know, if you hate that sort of thing, then that to you would be a bad neighbor. Um, I personally would love to have a dog come over in my yard. So that would be a good neighbor to me. So I think it's like, I think it's maybe more of like a perspective thing that you have to have, or maybe just your own ability to put up a fence is how he's creating good neighbors too. I don't know. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is related, but like the way he tells the first story about the neighbor approaching him to say, you know, I'm going to put up a fence. And then he's like, well, that's a great idea. Oh, my God, there's a fence. I love this fence. What's this concept called fence? (laughs) I'm like thinking, of course, like he's joking in some sense, because, of course, he understands what a fence is Mm -hmm. by the time that he's living in this place in Portage. So I'm wondering about like... What is that? What is that humor touching on there? Like, what's he getting at? Because I, I think it might, I don't know, it might be related to this idea of we kind of create our own neighbors. Is it an example of him responding to a desire by one of his neighbors and like meeting it? You know, mm-hmm. like uh, just being like, yeah, yeah. In fact, I like that idea so much. I'm going to do it on my other side. Like, 
So maybe it's a participatory thing. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I'll be open to what it is that you're really wanting for yourself and I'll allow it to, I'll entertain it as something that I can then also do. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think I was hearing it more of like, I mean, I don't know, like I've been living in apartments for a while now. Mm -hmm. So like this idea of like, he's talking a lot about like private space. And so this idea that you can like, you know, if you have conjoined yards, it's just like, oh my gosh, I could put up a barrier here and I could have this private space. I love this idea that I can create this, you know, different space behind my house. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely to that degree too, in which he's just... I don't know, maybe also exploring ways in which he can be more comfortable with his neighbors, because I think it sounds like if he can for himself create this private space, maybe that makes him a better neighbor as well. Like this idea of like you're, I don't know, making the space that you want. And so maybe you can be a little bit more agreeable to those around you. Yeah. (laughs) I live in a neighborhood here in Valpo that's downtown. So it has all the alleyways, you know, and since Liz and I have a dog and we walk Ayla, Like, I use those alleyways all the time. And it's, sometimes I've wondered, like, how do the people that live along the alleyways feel? It's a little bit different than just living off the street because the alleyways, there isn't a sidewalk between the alleyway and, like, the the person's property. Mm -hmm. Um, And, I mean, nobody has ever said anything to me. Other people use the alleyways to walk their dogs, too. And, um, like, I'm thinking the the way the neighborhood was built kind of, in, it doesn't encourage that, but there's no, it's not discouraging it either. So I feel like most of us in that neighborhood have just come to expect it as public space. And so it isn't a problem, but um, I, ha- I have wondered, like maybe somebody would feel really like they're looking out their kitchen window, doing their dishes and they're seeing, well, there goes that lady again walking her dog down the alley gosh darn it like why doesn't she use the sidewalk that's what they're there for um so I I think that he's not talking about like city planning Mm -hmm. uh creating neighbors but I I actually think that's probably part of it too it would be absurd to put a fence around my like my and Liz's little lot. I mean, it would just, it would be more fence than yard then, you know, it would just be kind of silly. Having said that, like, I really appreciate privacy. And typically when I think, when I have concerns about neighbors, it's often about volume and noise, Mm -hmm. not about like, has somebody walked through my yard or let their dog pee in my yard? Like, it's more like, is the noise too loud? Mm -hmm. Is it disrupting something that I want to do because I'm fairly sensitive to noise like if I'm writing I need quiet Mm -hmm. so I I, like you can't put up a fence to noise Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that's one of those uncomfortable conversations that if it actually was a consistent problem you'd have to go have that conversation that that this storyteller seems like let's just avoid conflict I mean is that is that what he's Really? Yeah, it's, well, it seems like, you know, like the fence in this case is like the easy fix to not have that conversation. But I felt so troubled by that concept of like, well, let's put up a fence so we don't have to have this conversation with each other. But I don't know, it like, it brought me back to a story that we were talking about um, a few weeks ago now where it was, um, the storyteller was talking about uh, going to music lessons in Gary 
and oh, he was yeah, a white speaker going through a black neighborhood and he's like he was talking about all this anxiety that he felt until he actually like walked through the neighborhood and realized like well he did mention like he felt like he dodged a bullet but at the same time it's like nothing happened so but it's this idea of like putting yourself in this position that you're kind of uncomfortable with that I think like you know the position that would be uncomfortable is like having these conversations with your neighbor it's like this is what I like for my space this is what you like for your space you know I mean to say like please don't let this happen and so I think like the fence in this case is like the easy way out of it yeah it's like saying like well instead of having to have that uncomfortable conversation I'm just gonna put up a fence but I don't know I kind of hate that right because it's like that seems like such an easy fix but it's like you're not getting at the root of the problem which is like being more comfortable you know having these conversations with your neighbors because I don't know it doesn't sound like that would be the extent of your relationship like hey don't do this on my lawn or hey please keep your dog over here it'd be like also you know there isn't a six foot fence here so it's like hey would you like to come over we're having a fire or like you know like having a barbecue or something like that you know it's like it feels like it'd be more of a mix but I feel like the fence not only maybe goes down on the negative dialogue but it also cuts down on the positive dialogue and that for me is like something you weigh I think it has long-term implications or ramifications too like not having those smaller uncomfortable conversations where you're getting used to each other and just basically sharing like hey this bothers me if it's not a big deal like can we not you know can we resolve it so Mm -hmm. Um, those little moments where, you know, if you overcome a small conflict, then, you know, it's building a capacity to have a relationship with that person, which I think when he's talking about the attached garages, he's recognizing that there are these long-term implications of not having these smaller neighborly reactions. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, he, he comes down at the end still on fences are good, attached garages, I'm all for it. But I, I don't know if I believe him. This is one of those places where his tone maybe belies him a little bit. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's talk about those attached garages a little bit. Um, you're listening to WVLP. This is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio, with me, Allison Schutte, and Willow Walsh. And we're playing stories from the Welcome Project archives. Today we are talking about neighbors again, one of our favorite themes on the show. And just wondering about um, fences and their role and uh, attached garages versus detached garages. (laughs) And how much do we actually get to potentially encounter neighbors today? So I I don't know. Like I wonder about the detached... Well... What do you think about how much how much does the detached garage actually be an occasion for an encounter with neighbors? I think it it opens up the space because like you said, you know, if you're just clicking the button going into your garage and then disappearing into your garage door into your house, then you don't necessarily have that. I mean, then you're never really out, right? You're just pulling up inside yeah, your vehicle and true. going inside your yeah. house. Yeah. And so I think at least the detached garage is it does leave a little bit of a window of space, like he's saying, you know, like, hey, Jerry, how was work today? You know, like you have to walk into your house. So it's like you're actually visible in your neighborhood, you know, yeah. to your neighbors. Yeah. And so I think that's maybe what he's getting at a little bit there is like there's just at least that little bit of visibility, that little bit of like shared space that we can have between each other instead of completely disappearing altogether. Yeah. I, I like the idea of bushes as fancy fences too. Like 
are there like so the detached garage versus the attached garage like a a, row, a hedge of bushes rather than an actual fence like are there things that could provide some of what we long for for like privacy or you know like I guess like shelter for our cars or something like that so we don't have to brush off the snow or whatever so like are there ways to get some of those needs met without like totally separating from our neighbors um I don't know do you think bushes are better metaphors for how and what we need as neighbors I think so you know it's like if you're just trying to you know if, if you're if things like you know marking the territory of your lawn is important or just like trying to keep dogs or kids in is important then I think you know I think that works better. I, I guess for me, it's like the shorter the fence, the better. It's like mm. if you're going to have a fence, that'd be nice. But yeah. just lower it so I could, you know, see you sometimes. There's like these little like gazebo things that people have. I think there's ways to like, you know, mo- you know, also get this privacy, but then also still keep these relationships with your neighbor. But yeah. <laughs> I So we used to have a neighbor who doesn't live in, who moved, um, and he was living in his house before I moved into the house that I'm in with Liz now. And the, there's no there's no fence. So there is like a sidewalk, not just the one that's um, for people to walk on, but like there's concrete between the houses that is like, like our back stoop and that would lead to like his back patio. So it's a big chunk of concrete um, instead of yard. And, you know, when, when I moved into the house, I didn't know, like, what are the, like, where is my land start and stop? Like, I didn't really ever pay attention to that. But he did. Like, he would mow and leave probably one foot of lawn between, like, the sidewalk that led from my back stoop to the street and, like, his yard. Like, it would have taken all of two seconds to finish mowing that little patch. Mm -hmm. And at first I was like, why are you, I don't know, like stingy or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then I tried to think about it from another perspective. Like, is it for some people, is it just really important to know where your property lines are? Like Mm -hmm. I, like I don't, know that from my own experience but like it was super important to him so that yeah I don't (laughs) I don't know I don't know if we were successful neighbors to each other because the first thing I did with him is told him to turn down his music I think I've told that story (laughs) on this show before so we didn't get off to a very good start but I guess I want to allow for the fact that some people have different you know, like things that values or things that are important to them. Um, But it does like, I I find myself drawn to cooperation uh, more than to mm, like borders Mm -hmm. or boundaries. Um, I mean, but that said, like, it's not like I always want to hang out with my neighbors and sometimes like when it's a really beautiful day and I just want to read on the back patio I find it hard to do if the kids are running around (laughs) because they want to interrupt me so you know it's not like I don't understand there might be some space that people want in some kind of fashion Mm -hmm. I don't know it's like I think there's 
he also mentions like <laughs> like he says it's his general credo in life like just leave me alone I'll leave you alone we'll be good we'll die it's all good <laughs> and like that's such like a I don't know it's like again to me that just feels like a like the easy way out right it's like yes you could have this like super plain existence and you could like mark these boundaries and have these fences up and just you know it's like I will never interact with you you don't have to interact with me we'll just be fine together we'll never have any problems but I think that like that that leaves out so much of like the good stuff right like the kids running through you know your backyard to get to their backyard and like it like all those interactions that you have you know it's like would you know necessarily that your neighbor like was really into like native like plant species and things it's like if you had these like big boundaries so I think like sure you're giving up these small things like okay hey don't do that you know just like creating this relationship but you're also missing out on you know so much that would be really nice and I just think the problem is it's just it's uncomfortable like I think of like myself it's like I feel like I don't know it's like when I look for like an Airbnb or something I look for something with like big fences around because I'm like you know what I don't I don't know who's around Mm, I don't know if it's like and also it's like you know it's like I'm in a queer relationship but it's like I don't want to open that window up it's like they could be totally fine but also I don't want to put myself in a situation where people are weird about it yeah so it's just like I think there's like that overcoming of that initial discomfort and like just being okay with it I think that's okay it's like it's so much easier to kind of avoid those I don't know those negative interactions but then you miss out on all of that like juicy relationship Mm -hmm. building that can actually come from like not putting up giant fences yeah I feel like familiarity and having familiarity with people is so important as like a just a kind of basic foundation for building relationship from so you're talking about Airbnbs where you're dropping into Mm -hmm. a place where you're not going to be familiar and if we have a neighborhood of attached garages when does that opportunity for familiarity ever really um have a have a chance you know like unless people are I don't know maybe mowing their front yawn front lawn and it doesn't have people don't put fences around front lawns right <laughs> so I mean I guess there would be these other potential places but I think um yeah we really need that familiarity for like bigger projects so uh we had you you and I had been in a class together where we had talked about neighbors and and one of the writers that we read was talking about barn raising as a practice in rural communities and how it's a project that's too big for any one person to get done. So you actually do have to rely on your neighbors. And it's interesting because in the telling of that story, it's not like the neighbors that come help with the barn raising are people that his his mom got along with. I remember mm-hmm. her having a very very uh, clear judgment about the drinking (laughs) behavior and the language use of the neighbor that one of the neighbors that was coming to help raise the barn but like you you need each other for Mm -hmm. that and um, we're living in a world where we don't really need our neighbors in Mm -hmm. the same way at least that was one of his theses or his 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 hypothesis and I I guess I, I I think that's by and large true that we probably don't like maybe a lot of our services are are provided more um and as we shift into a more digital information age where we can accomplish more sort of on our own um and then we build these spaces these neighborhoods these houses that don't 
facilitate that familiarity. Everything just, we maybe do have more, we maybe do have more of an illusion of control. Maybe we even have a little bit more control, but um, at what cost? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think about that a lot when I see like, I don't know, a bunch of people, like I go to like my, my grandma's neighborhood out in Munster and you just see people mowing their lawn and, you know, leaf blowing their lawn. And it kind of frustrates me because part of me wants to know, like, you know, we, it's like we create these like individual worlds inside of our homes, like this ridiculous cake pan that you use once a year or this really specialized gardening tool that you use twice a year. And it's like, why don't we like all share these things? Oh, right. <laughs> like, I know that's like a really idealized version of it, but you know, it's just like, you really, it's like, you don't need that. It's just like, you create everything that you need. It's like, you want to put up a fence, you call yeah. the fence people. You don't need your neighbor to, you know, really do anything. Yeah. So it's like, I think that's kind of what we're called on to do is like make those intentional interactions because there's really no need for us to talk to our neighbor or need our neighbor mm-hmm. so it's kind or of like all down to us cup of sugar yeah. or that leaf blower yeah exactly uh this is wvlplp at 103.1 fm in valparaiso and you're here with me allison shooty and willow walsh and today on listen up we're playing stories from the welcome project archive and discussing what it means to be a good neighbor. Um, I guess we didn't kind of transition yet into any implications for post-COVID neighborliness, but maybe we can do that as we discuss the second story that we're gonna play today. Did you wanna introduce this in any way? Yeah, so this second one, this one's titled Not Something That You Force, and this speaker is talking about his relationship with his neighbor. Neighbor is someone who uh, assumes responsibility for you. The example I can give is Wayne. Wayne is a a white, older guy that went to Vietnam, and basically he's a recluse. Wayne came to me one day, and he says, well, I see you like to garden. So Wayne says, well, I got some of these tomato steaks, you know, trellises, just a little thing. So Wayne said, here, you can have it. And then he go on, and he's gruffy. He smells like uh, Marlboros and bourbon and, you know, and then I see him trying to get his clothes to the laundry. So I said, Wayne, I'll give you a ride. You know, I'll drop you off. So we speak to each other now and then. But we, it's not like we stopping and talking over the fence and stuff like that because that ain't the kind of guy Wayne is. But I, I barbecue on a pretty regular basis during the summer. So I, say, I asked Wayne when I see him, I said, man, you want a plate? And he said, yeah, if you want to give me one, you know, because he, you know, rarely cooking for himself. So I got into the habit of giving him a little plate of food and so we become neighbors, you know, and that's kind of how I think neighbors are. You know, you you learn how to trust each other. You learn to assume responsibility for each other. You develop relationships. It's not something that you force. It's something that happens in the course of time as you begin to learn each other and respect each other and, you know, feel familiar with one another. You know, I still understand that people need caring for, and so you got to care for folks. There's some people in the Valparaiso community that don't know nobody care about. Always have been. You know, as long as I've been here, there's been groups of people here that folks can't see. But they're there. They're real. They're just people. They're just trying to survive. Some are white. Some are black. Some are Hispanic. Most of them are scared. Most of them don't have anybody to depend on. For example, people don't know how intimidating the university is. There's some people who are so intimidated by the university, they walk around 
the university. It, it would be easier for them to just walk through. But they are so scared of the university. They're so intimidated by the university. They said, well, I'm going to go through there. So, well, why not? So they just don't want to do that. I said, well, they're just people. No, that's not how they act. So a better question is, how good is the university as a neighbor to people who they often don't see? How good a neighbor are we to folks who are not as smart as we are? But then, then you know, that's that old socialism in me that stands up and says, oh, I'm not sure these places do what they proclaim that they say they do. I have real issues with that. This is Allison Schutte and Willow Walsh on WVLP. And this is uh, Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio. We just heard our second story for the day. Um, and we've been talking about neighbors. So where do you want to dig in on this one, Willow? Yeah, I guess, like, how would you describe um, the speaker's relationship with his neighbor, Wayne? Um, yeah, so I guess that he doesn't necessarily give us all the backstory, so I'm inferring a little bit that they might have seen each other around, but maybe there wasn't a lot of in their interaction because Wayne comes one day um, because he's noticed, he's paid attention to the fact that the storyteller likes to garden um, and then has these tomato steaks, trellises that, that, that Wayne himself is no longer using. So it's like, you know, like here, you can have them. Um, and then that's it, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I like uh, I, the the way the storyteller describes Wayne is very helpful for really sort of picturing this kind of neighbor who is not necessarily wanting to sit down and have like an all out conversation or spend the afternoon together or, or even really be like a friend. Mm-hmm. It's more just like they saw what the storyteller enjoyed and made a connection at some point to something that they no longer used and so they delivered it Mm -hmm. but that moment then became an opportunity for more of those kinds of exchanges to happen so that when the storyteller is barbecuing and sees Wayne is like out is able to offer a plate and it's interesting because it doesn't seem like if I'm if I'm understanding correctly, that Wayne joins, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, the barbecue. It's more just like, yeah, I would appreciate that if you if you've got it, and then probably takes it back um, to eat on his own. So I like it because it it feels like a a kind of neighborliness that makes it clear that we don't always have to be friends with our neighbors, mm-hmm. but like that doesn't mean that we don't care for each other. I love that word. Um, that the storyteller brings up about this is just about caring and it starts with that simple act of Wayne noticing something about his neighbor did you see other Mm -hmm. things that were part of that exchange I well the one thing I noticed which is like my favorite line in this story when the speaker is like so we've become neighbors yes and I love that because it's like you know it's like it changes at least you know my initial mindset of what a neighbor is to this like geographic fact to right, more of okay. this like process that's yes. that, that you're encountering because it's like well of course they live next to me they're my neighbor but the speaker here says you know we've become neighbors yes. there's like something that you have to do there to like initiate being a neighbor and that's I don't know that's what I really love about it because I think like 
he's not defining neighbor as, you know, Wayne, the guy next door. It's, you know, he's my neighbor because, you know, he saw me garden and gave me these trellises and I gave him a plate of food and I gave him a ride to the laundry place. So it's like this sort of, you know, relationship that's kind of happened that makes it like a neighbor relationship. But that's that's the part that I, I really Yeah, love. no, that I totally latched onto that phrase too and wanted to know what it means to become neighbors and I think that you nailed it with this kind of practice and approach and process that that develops over time too so yeah just because you move in next door doesn't mean you are neighbors with somebody it is um going to be a a commitment a commitment on both your parts and that doesn't have to be like a huge commitment Mm -hmm. right like it can happen in these really small ways so it's totally feasible but it leads to all of these bigger values that we hold right so the storyteller talks about trusting each other and assuming responsibility for each other so um those are really big powerful values and um to go from offering a trellis to somebody to offering a ride to the laundromat Mm -hmm. to offering a plate I mean to have such small um acts that are within our grasp have such larger ramifications um it's very inspiring actually way better than detach wait way better than attached garages (laughs) (laughs) I like it too because it just it feels like this you know narrative like you were saying like like outside of how I understand you know neighborly relationships to be because it's like you grow up with like sitcoms and like you know people are talking over the fences or they're coming over all the time you know like friends like they are like creating this relationship and you know it's like it I guess it like in my mind it becomes a sort of like all or nothing thing it's like if I'm going to initiate this then this is like a thing that I'm I know this sounds terrible it's like this is a thing I'm taking on like I'm gonna be Mm. friends with this person I'm gonna have to interact with this person all the time yeah it's like (laughs) it's a lot more and so I think it kind of becomes it's kind of hard to like approach right because you're like I don't know if I want to take this huge thing on but I love this speaker who's talking about like you know it can just be like you know just giving something you know just going for a ride you know it's like we don't have to be friends we don't have to talk over the fence we don't have to be those kind of neighbors we can just be a neighbor in this way and that's kind of nice for me because it's like I don't know like one of my love languages is like I'm not good at the talking thing but it's like I give things it's like that Mm. oh yes if I could just give you something it's like I care I'm here you know so yeah that's I really love that because it feels a little more like it doesn't have to be this sort of like extroverted friends thing that happens with your neighbors, but just these like small interactions. And that can be enough. That can be totally fine. And so I think like when we're talking about like, what do we do post pandemic? I think like we can start to reach out more because we're all kind of reaching out more right now. And so even if you haven't, you know, done so before, it's kind of a new opportunity that we have Mm. to kind of reach out and I don't know I don't know about other folks but I get stuck in this like thing where I don't know if I haven't done something it's like okay I've I've set this as the precedent and like this is where I'm going from here it's like I'm it's hard for me to like change things up because then I'm like oh what if they question like why am I doing this now and then I'm like do they think I'm weird for doing it like there's just too many questions and it's just like so it's just easier to go on you know doing the same thing but it's like the pandemic for me I don't know I think it can be this sort of like restart yeah this like interruption of like okay like we can like it's like a blank slate we can just like start doing things now and so I think that would be really cool to just like decide to talk to your neighbors more I don't know I think that'd be cool yeah I'm also struck with this storyteller about, um, he says, like, 
we have to see each other and that they're the storyteller seems to be recognizing there are things that get in our way of seeing each other. So even in how he describes Wayne as older, a vet, a recluse who uh, smells like Marlboros and bourbon and is gruff. Like I can imagine so many people not wanting to see someone like Wayne or it might not even be like a intentional it might just be a kind of, I don't see you. And this storyteller also mentions race. So seems to be thinking about race as another thing that might keep us from really seeing each other. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if this is like how, how the pandemic coming more under control with the vaccination regimen and this sense that we have that in our future our near future will be more or less going back to normal which Mm -hmm. I guess for me I'm thinking of like you don't have to wear masks everywhere Mm -hmm. and you don't have to social distance um I wonder if like there there probably are still going to be ways we don't see each other that Mm -hmm. either existed pre-pandemic or maybe even were exacerbated by the pandemic like these examples have, I think, more to do maybe with class or race. But when I think about the who I don't see these days, I think more around political difference. And I, I like, I don't know. That's interesting to think about. Like, <clears throat> do I have neighbors that I have um, strong political differences with? I don't necessarily know. Like, I could maybe start guessing potentially like some people also had political signs in the yard Mm. so I could see that they might feel similarly to me about some things because I also had those kinds of signs in my yards but not you know not everybody makes their political statements public so Mm. then um like I have thought like one of my neighbors has a son that went into the police and I was like what would happen if I put up a Black Lives Matter sign in my yard like would Mm -hmm. that be interpreted immediately to mean that I was anti-police mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. would that put up a barrier anyway I don't know like so I feel like but interestingly like because we don't have those conversations like we do things for each other like she's mowed our lawn before and we've shoveled the sidewalk before and we just found out actually that she had had some surgery so over this last winter she couldn't have shoveled her sidewalk even if hmm. she had wanted to and like we didn't know that we were just doing it as an extension because our yard's not that big so (laughs) um so I like I I still feel like it comes back to like these small things that we do for each other these smaller acts of care that actually maybe could prepare us for if that conversation ever had to arise for whatever reason Mm -hmm. like you know we'd have some commitment to each other already like again not Mm -hmm. a friendship exactly but we are assuming responsibility for each other in ways that might prepare us to encounter that bigger Mm -hmm. kind of difference. Mm -hmm. I think of that too, like that reminds me of like how these sorts of like facilitated conversations that we've done with people, like how it's always more, 
I don't know, it's, it, it works better when people do it in their own spaces because there's that sort of like commitment that happens. So what mm. I mean is like when we come in and do it for an outside group, it's like, sure, you could listen to us, you could not listen to us, you know, we don't really have a stake in the game for each other because we're strangers. But, you know, it's like when we teach people to do facilitations and like go into their church space or go into their club space yeah. and like do it with other folks, then it's just like you have this commitment that makes it a little bit easier to sort of like bridge some of those other gaps that I think right now it's like, like you said, I think the pandemic has exacerbated some of this sort of like, I don't know, it's like we're already polarized, but it's just like, you know, it's like that separation. So it makes it even harder to like bridge those sort of like polarizing gaps and have those conversations. So I think small acts can help us. Like and They might be the space. only thing that can help us, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you're listening to WVLP. This is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio with Willa Walsh and me, Allison Schutte, and we're talking about neighbors today. Specifically, we returned to this topic because um, we're thinking about, like, post-pandemic, is there a reset? Is there Are there more opportunities for neighbors to engage with each other? Because there actually will be less physical barriers to it, so... Um, yeah, and this this storyteller, the second one that we just um, started at the top of the hour, has been giving us examples of how we become neighbors through these small acts of kindness and care that actually establishes trust and allows us to be responsible to each other. Um, what do you make of the where the story goes and the storyteller's concern with how the university here in Valparaiso is intimidating to people. Like I'm wondering with this question of we become neighbors, like, I mean, whose responsibility is it to initiate that? Mm -hmm. Um, Does it have to be mutual? And then like, what does that mean when we're talking about an institution like Valparaiso Mm -hmm. university? Is that the same thing as talking about Wayne and, Allison, mm-hmm, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, so I, I don't know, but where, like, just to start us off, like, what were you, what did you, what popped out for you about this section that, that's his concern with the university and whether it's too intimidating? Yeah, I think it's like, well, that makes a lot of sense because I've heard that plenty of times. Like, my friend who didn't go to the university, he's, he like wound up in the university space driving one time and he was, he was so flustered. He was just like, I just want to get the heck out of here. Really? <laughs> and so it's just like, there, you know, it's like we, but it's like even on campus, it's like you talk about the university as this bubble and that can mean like a few different things, you know, in terms of like diversity or just people staying in this space and not really like bleeding out into town at all. And so I think there is this sort of like separation that happens on multiple levels, whether like, you know, the speaker talks about like, you know, quote unquote, like smart people, are they as smart as us? This may be like elitism perception that happens between the bubble of the university. And so I think it, it does become this like this maybe, I don't know if it's intentional or unintentional barrier that kind of like separates the university from the rest of the town. And so I know that like when we were on um, civic at the university and our subcommittee, we were thinking about like, how do we get people onto the university? Like, how do we get people on campus? Like, how do we bring people onto campus and like, you know, see, I guess like, well, this is, you know, campus or like, this is the library or something like that. It's just like, trying to you know bridge that sort of gap that becomes like really hard to get through so I think I don't know it's like how does how how does the university become a better neighbor and I think 
maybe that can start with the university becoming a better host, especially after the pandemic. It's like right now it's not very feasible, Mm -hmm. but you know, maybe Mm -hmm. in the coming months it could be more feasible to be a better host because I don't know, when you think about the university versus the town, you know, it feels like it would be the easier move for the university to, to do something versus I'm not sure what you would do in the town to, to, to better that relationship between the university and townspeople. But I don't know. Yeah, it just feels like, you know, like similarly on the small scale, just these small acts, these small groupings, the small opportunities that you get to like bridge these gaps might make the university a better neighbor. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think there are ways the city could to could do that too. Like they've hosted like city meetings, you know, like the state of the city has been on campus in the past, like pre-pandemic. But I, I don't know that those are the residents that like this storyteller mm-hmm. has in mind. Like, so we both happen to know that this storyteller lives in Hilltop, which is the neighborhood right next to the university. And um, so when I hear this story, I'm thinking about the neighbors in Hilltop and how they don't feel invited mm-hmm. into the university space. So even if the city did something like host, you know, their meetings or hold conferences on on the campus, which might bring some residents into like a, a kind of conversation with the university, like that's not necessarily happening with the Hilltop neighborhood. Although I think there are ways like um, Hilltop House. And so I know some of the faculty have kids that go to that daycare um, and that's so that's like a, a kind of way that those smaller interactions could begin to happen. You know, students mm-hmm. live in Hilltop, so there's some of that. But I don't know, like, who do, do students ever get encouraged to be residents mm-hmm. of Hilltop? Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like we we ask our students to do so much as citizens of the university so any social time that they have that's not spent with like friends and family we're asking them to spend it on the university campus but Mm -hmm. why aren't they encouraged to spend it in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. um do you remember the um Oh, shoot. I just lo- like, what was the event we hosted? The block party? The block party. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what is the name of that thing again? <laughs> so we hosted that right in Hilltop as a result of having this class, um, mm-hmm. who's my neighbor. And um, I like, what are some of your memories of that day? Like, if you were to describe it for our listeners, like, what would you say that day was like or that event was like yeah so I think we had like flyers right so we were hosted at one of the houses that was like right outside of the university but in Hilltop and so we invited a lot of like neighbors nearby like we went up to houses and left flyers and then we invited a lot of university folks over so yeah it was kind of like a like a cookout type of thing Uh, I think there was like games there's a scavenger hunt I remember Um, but yeah it was this (laughs) interesting intermingling of like residents and university people that I noticed like when it was happening it's like I've never seen this before and it's like I don't know it's like it's not weird but it like (laughs) it's like weird and that it's like we don't we don't do this and like the folks that you know are the residents who I don't know feel more comfortable at the university at least you know have like kids who went there or worked there at some point so it's yeah it's a it's a mix of people who are comfortable and who aren't comfortable and I don't know. I think that was just interesting to see. Yeah. We happened we happen to benefit from beautiful weather that day. Mm-hmm. So 
thank thankfully for that like everybody's spirits were up but yeah I just um like who who has a responsibility to um you know generate those sorts of activities uh like I guess I don't know why like this is me talking not as a professor but as a resident of both the city and the university like why isn't the university invested more in those kinds of in interactions that um, can really make the university feel like it's not just sitting on top of land, mm-hmm. but really embedded in a neighborhood and then also a city. Um, and I can imagine like all sorts of roadblocks to that that have to do with, well, right now, a lot of concern about like, um, the landscape of higher education is changing so rapidly and um, with rising um, prices for attending college, but the university's reliance on that, um, like really supporting like the kinds of classrooms we want to have for people. Anyway, that could just be a rabbit hole. So like you can see how quickly some the, like administrators or maybe the board's attention is just like how do we keep this institution itself sustainable mm-hmm. um but i i don't know i just maybe it's naivete or idealism i feel like really placing yourself in a community and and i think even you know you and i have talked about it being northwest indiana not just valparaiso like what would it mean for um the university to see itself in the region um and it just seems like that could build a lot of goodwill Mm -hmm. and trust and what is the other phrase like the way that we could assume responsibility for each other I mean I I don't know what it would mean for residents of Hilltop to assume responsibility for the university that again like I that goes back to my question a little bit of like who's responsible for initiating the process of becoming neighbors, especially when we're talking about an institution is, is it kind of lopsided because there is a power difference Mm -hmm. or I don't know if I know how to answer that question. Yeah. I could see it being really beneficial though. Like, like what it could do for the community, not just like give, I think students or university folk like a better understanding of uh, like the Hilltop neighborhood and also the university being more welcome to Hilltop residents, but also this idea of like, I don't know, it's like having this sort of like advocacy for one another because it's like once you know each other and you recognize things that are happening, it's like you can have, you know, people on your side. So I'm thinking like something like if, you know, the Hilltop neighborhood house ever, you know, needed help I don't know, maybe they wanted to build something or something like that. And it's just like, you know, having university people there and aware and connected, it's just like, well, you can show up and advocate. And if something weird at the university happened, like I'm thinking like the thing that's happening at Duneland right now where you have to take down all the pride mm. flags or something, it's like, I would that'd be awesome if it wasn't just like university people showing up to advocate, but it was also like residents, you know, showing up to advocate. It's like, I don't know, it's like I see a lot of benefit that could happen and not just, you know, being more comfortable being in each other's each other's spaces, but, you know, just also being, you know, able to like stand up for one another and be present and just, and know, you know, know what's going on between the two. I think that's helpful. Yeah, and I feel like this storyteller, um, 
seems to think that the university has a, has language around being good neighbors mm-hmm. because um yeah he the storyteller ends by saying i'm not sure these places do what they proclaim that they say they do so it does feel like it's one of these moments where like are you really aware of the values that you're trying to instill in people and and what that takes and how it can be messy and it could it could make a border more porous as opposed to kind of like you know if you come on campus you need to sign in at the welcome center kind of thing which is what it is in the pandemic Mm -hmm. um supposed to be at least (laughs) um you know and there's reasons maybe very like specific times public health crisis where something like that is desirable but otherwise if we're really saying that the university has this motto you know uh, teaching students to lead and serve in the world and the church and society like Mm -hmm. and what how is how is being a citizen how is being a neighbor not at the heart of of those things and yet that's not necessarily something we're teaching in a civic space. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're trying to teach it in a sense of like building community on campus. But um, I really feel like I didn't get any of that from my college experience, the civic, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and some of that was probably because I wasn't drawn to it naturally because I hadn't been necessarily raised to pay attention to those kinds of spaces. But I feel like... Um, you know, it was, it's a bit of a missed opportunity. And I came late to late in life to understand like what it means to actually be a resident of a city and an active citizen. And I still feel like I I fail in ways like, you know, not being active enough in a, in the city. Um, cause time feels like pulled in so many different Mm -hmm. directions, but to have those roots start at a campus level would be really interesting. I wonder how the state schools do or don't do differently, like IUN, PNW, if they also have fences and mm-hmm. attached garages, mm-hmm. or if they are more neighbors in their locations. Yeah, well, I think it's different, too, because Valpo, you know, a lot of people stay on campus, and, like, yeah. PNW and IUN, like, most people, I think, commute to those spaces, so you already have that sort of, like, intermingling of, yeah. like, people who are in residents outer, yeah. going in and out, yeah. but, yeah, but it's, like, I also think that it's, like, the universe, or Valpo specifically, it's, like, they there's a lot of opportunity there to when it's, like, when you are, you know, searching for things like vocation and community building and leadership, like you're saying, it's, like, it's it becomes this, like, barrier even for students I think too is like you know someone who went there it's like it's easier to do this with your peers or like with faculty and staff members but then it's like when you you know graduate and get a job it becomes this like this really hard thing that Mm -hmm. it's hard to transfer like what you've been doing at school Mm -hmm. with like you know 20 somethings and then it's like and now I have to deal with so many different people at my workplace and it's really hard and it's so much different than what you've been used to and it's like I can just imagine like all the ways that like creating that neighborly relationship in the community would be so much better for everybody all around (laughs) (laughs) so we'll end on that note for today um and uh, there's obviously always so much more that we could do um, and talk about when it comes to neighbors. So I'm guessing we'll be back to this topic at some point. Yeah. Um, so thanks for listening. 
And thanks again to our sponsors, Asana Yoga Center at asanacenter.com and Roots Market Cafe at rootsmarketcafe.com. We here at Welcome Project Radio love to support our local businesses. And if you'd like to start a conversation with us or ask us any questions, you can feel free to email us at welcomeprojectradio at gmail.com. And if you'd like to hear more stories like the ones you heard today, you can find them on our website at welcomeproject.velpo.edu and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.